What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Ghost Code Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Keefe. Today's podcast is an interview with guitar legend Guthrie Govin talking all about the new album from his group, The Aristocrats, which also features Brian Beller and Marco Miniman. Guthrie and I chatted about the new record, the recording and writing process the band goes through, the Aristocamp, and much more. Check it out. It's been lively. <laughs> For sure, man. You seem like you keep an extremely lively schedule, to say the least. Yeah, well, I've had worse jobs. <laughs> I'm not, not one to complain about playing too much music or seeing too much of the world, you know? Right on. What is what is the worst job you ever had, by the way? Um... <laughs> I think McDonald's would take some beating. Oh, yeah, for sure. For a year and a half. Wow. Um, were you the badge to remind me never to complain about anything else. Nice. Were you uh, were you saving for a guitar in your youth? I was kind of recovering from a year at university. Oh, nice. Okay. So dropped out of uni and then realized I need to do something to generate money and music isn't instantly providing that. So I got a McJob. Nice. I, I definitely... Rock and roll tradition, right? Indeed, indeed. I spent a good portion of my uh, teenage years working in a deli in New York City while I saved for bass guitars and lessons. So, for sure. Um, but yeah, man, let's let's jump in and, and talk about You Know What? The new Aristocrats record. I love saying it with the proper punctuation. Um, terrific new record, man. Super stoked uh, for people to get to hear this thing. Uh, another great collaboration with yourself, Brian and Marco. Um, and I think that's a good place to jump in. Uh, I know you guys came back after a bit of a hiatus, which doesn't mean you weren't working because you were all working all the time, but a little of a hiatus for the band uh, to come together for this fourth record. So what was the, uh, sort of how did you guys come back together to plan and work on this record? Well, it was always our intention to come back together. It's just that for each of us, certain other obligations and commitments cropped up, which could not be ignored. So we agreed to take a little break, but then regroup as soon as our collective calendar would allow it. And actually, the first thing we did to kind of get the ball rolling again was a, a tour in Europe at the end of last year. And it was the first time in the history of the band that we'd actually gone out on the road without having anything new to to pimp. We didn't have a new album. We were just playing same old material in the same old cities. Um, but we were kind of relieved to note, A, that we were having a really good time and that we'd really missed playing together. And B, the crowd response was great. So that was the, the extra kind of kick we needed to kind of focus on the timetable it's like how soon can we get into the studio and record something new and start this whole crazy album cycle again awesome uh i'm i'm always interested to know how you know i know the word supergroup gets bandied around a lot by journalists like myself so i try not to indulge but you know clearly uh all of you are you know masters at your craft and you know so marco plays guitar brian can play anything as a, as can you um do you all come in with your own compositions or do you jam how do you create uh you know this body of work um well, for, for us, there are, there are two sides to what we do. One is the compositional side. The other one is the interactive jamming side. And because we're fortunate to have found each other and to have formed a trio, which we all think has a natural kind of chemistry, we don't have to plan the improvisational side of things. We allow that just to come out organically 
during the shows that we play. But in terms of writing material, we all live in different places. It's not like we can book a rehearsal room every Wednesday night and jam in E for two hours and see if anything interesting comes up. So really, because of that transatlantic formula that we have, the only way that we can be certain of not wasting time is for each of us to write our songs individually so that when we do meet up we have something very concrete that we've all prepared and learned and we have something to work on so everyone in the band can make a fully functional demo and either play all the instruments or program the instruments as needed Um, it's probably a good time to throw in on the deluxe version of our new album uh, some of the bonus material we included was all of the original demos so people who are curious can hear what these tunes sounded like like before we shared them with each other and note wise you know compositionally it's all there and the dynamic arc of the tune is already pretty much set in stone uh, so we have something very specific to interpret when we receive the demos from the other two guys what a treat makes sense yeah, of course. That's a, that's a great treat. I think I can't wait to hear that the uh, deluxe edition of the album. And of course, we'll link all this in the description, um, including purchase links and such. It is kind of a strange time. Your uh, career has kind of overlapped with this uh, weird time in the world where one artist can collaborate much more freely than ever before in my memory, because it used to be if you weren't on the same record label as another artist, you could not possibly work with them uh, or you couldn't work with them and get credited or paid and then secondly i I've, you know obviously this technology allows a band like this to happen but is also a really strange time to try to sell music in this crazy digital age um any thoughts on that well i don't think we're doing this because we think it's an easy way to make money or sell a million units of something i think we're doing this because we can't help it you know, we like making music. We enjoy the way we make music when we're together. So that's one of the things that comes first. And we're definitely a band that believes in release the album and then tour it within an inch of its life. I think for the last album, we did 128 gigs to support the Tres Caballeros record all over the world. And that seems like one thing that, that can't be taken away from band you know if you're prepared to go out there and do a show then for the audience it's a bit more like going to the church and there's an aspect of being at a live show which you can't synthesize or replace with ones and zeros Um, selling actual albums yeah it's tougher than ever on the one hand it's easier than ever to find obscure music that may not be chart friendly but it's harder than ever to sell it so it's a double-edged sword really at least we're able to play whatever weird music we like and still reach some kind of fan base scattered all over the globe and then they get to vote for us when we go on tour i think it works something like that awesome uh and again i i've seen you already have quite a body of shows booked this this summer and fall so uh very including right including next week um starting with the uh, arista camp which is a fantastic it's just just an incredible opportunity for people to get to see you up close and personal and get to really learn from you and also just kind of get into your thought process and your you know sort of players minds which is you know fantastic and and unique i think it's very special yeah it's it's an exciting thing i mean i've been involved in a few similar camps before but only in the capacity of guest instructor um 
And I think there is a real value in those camps. When I see all the people who have attended, they're not just watching musicians they like and learning from them. They're learning from each other. They're inspiring each other. You know, they swap phone numbers and email addresses and stay in, in touch. So what one of the values of an event like that is it's a place where people who are obsessive about strange music or playing an instrument can go to this remote, beautiful location for a few days and feel normal which is a, a wonderful thing. Uh, but yeah, this is the first time we've actually done the camp where the, our band is the focal point and we get to be kind of the figureheads and decide what the, the overall vibe of the camp is and what kind of things we'll, we'll be covering. So we're looking forward to it. Terrific. Uh, and, you know, and I, I know obviously you've been a, a, a person, uh, I really respect this over your career, as much as people laud you for your skill and your playing, uh, you have always put the song first and the style, you know, the genre first and the style first ahead of your own, you know, this is not in this for glory. It's great to be uh, applauded and lauded, but... Um, you know, I really, I, I've listened to You Know What several times now all the way through. And uh, these are some of the best songs this group has done. Uh, I really love, you know, Spanish Eddie and All Said and Done and Spiritus Cacticus, which clearly has got some cool connotations in it. And even la like the playing on Last Order, the writing supports the playing, you know, the great musicianship and the playing as much as anything else. The song seems to always be the thing for you, which I really, I really love. Well, thanks. That's, it's really refreshing to hear that feedback. I mean, within the band, we think we're really happy with the record. We think it's probably the best thing we've done. But it's, it's impossible to be objective once you've spent so much time in close proximity with the material. We, we know the songs too well now to kind of step back and listen to them the way someone would hear them if they bought the album and just gave the record a spin for the first time. So your words are most comforting. Well, thanks. I, I try. Um, is there a particular track or several tracks that you're particularly looking forward to performing live? Um, all of it, really. Um, well, because of the way we divide the songs up, I'm more qualified to talk about the three songs that I wrote. And I was very much trying to come up with something a little bit unusual, a little bit fresh, which would definitely work live. So I tried to resist the urge to do anything involving overdubs. I wanted to map it out. So at any point in time, there's just a guitar, a bass and a drum kit. And it's fun sometimes to work with those restrictions. Um, Whereas a couple of Marco's tunes, he took the opposite approach. He said, well, let's just see how crazy we can go with overdubbing and like a more production-orientated approach, which is cool. That's part of why the record hopefully has a feeling of variety all the way through. Um, there are a couple of tracks on there that basically filled up a hard disk. There's a lot of audio going on. And then there's the more stripped-down approach. So... For the stuff I wrote, which was intentionally just raw trio format, I'm looking forward to playing those live to see if I was right. I, th I think I wrote them in a way that was kind of guaranteed to work live, but there's only one way to find out. And then with some of Marco's stuff, the challenge is how do we kind of strip all of that information down? Uh, particularly for me, if you've got like 20 tracks of guitar on the song, it's like, how do I um, 
pare that right down to the one essential guitar part that will do this song justice. So, interesting challenges. Indeed, indeed. Looking forward to the tour to see how the songs reveal themselves, because generally that's how it seems to work with this band. We do our best, we make the record, but then once we're on the road, like 10, 20 shows in, we realise the songs are still teaching us how they should be played, and we discover all these new little avenues of possibility inside the composition, so that we try to allow the songs to keep growing rather than just memorizing all the notes and then trying to play that sequence of notes perfectly every night. It's nice to leave a little bit of wiggle room for the song to grow. Indeed. Uh, I, I think about, uh, in, in the history of players, I think about Frank Zappa or Jimmy Page or Eddie Van Halen who had a similar challenge. Like, how do I represent this entire song with one guitar line when I wrote 20 um, and make it familiar to the listener so they don't lose anything? I am, I'm also with you. I think, uh, um, it, you know, you can make wonderful records, but what can you, can you represent it properly live and play it live so people don't feel like there's something missing? And I think that's a real challenge. Um, and probably, uh, you know, a credit to you that you're conscious of that, you know, for the fans and for yourself. Well, I think this, this trio is above everything else. It's a live band. That's what we do. Um, we, we play together in real time and we like having an audience and we like taking risks and all of that stuff. So that... For all of us, I think in some way that informs the way we write music. We can see that finishing line at the end. It's like one day this album will be finished, it will be out, it will be available to the public, but our work is not done. <laughs> we have to go and take these songs all around the world and nurture them and see where they end up. I often think about music like the, in contrast to painters or filmmakers, which is, you know, a song can take on a new life in, in person uh, and a painting is kind of painted and there it is, you're looking at it, you may experience it differently, but a song can evolve, can change, can transmute live uh, and become something, you know, rather different than you intended originally. Totally. It's almost like you're playing a cover of your own song every, every time you play it. That's a great approach. Um, I, w I wonder, do you, um, you know, I know you work all the time. Do you play every day? Do you need to practice to go tour or do this, prepare for this camp any differently than you would anything else? Um, I think the best way I can prepare for this camp is to try and catch up on sleep because you never entirely know what people are going to expect from you until you're there, by which point it's too late. So rather than trying to guess what everyone will want in like microscopic levels of detail. I think it's better just to try and be alert and to be receptive to whatever people seem to be the most interested in once we get there. So, of course, we have a plan. We have some kind of structure and lesson plan, but there's also scope for kind of adapting at the last minute once we get to know the group of campers who are there. And in more general terms, like practicing and stuff like that, it's a funny thing. I practiced way more when I was at school than I do now that playing guitar is my job and I don't have to do anything else because the reality of my life now is airports and aeroplanes or like sitting in a tour bus with my guitar trapped in a trailer behind the bus or sitting in an embassy applying for a visa. And 
all this tedious stuff that kind of gets in the way of just good old-fashioned honest playing uh, so most of the practice i actually do now is real game situation practicing like it's at a gig or at the very least at a rehearsal with a band or doing a session or something like that and fortunately i have an excuse to pick up an instrument most days of my life because my job dictates that and that kind of keeps you gig fit it keeps your muscle memory and your calluses in a usable condition Killer. And uh, just as we wind this down for a last question, uh, again, a typically prolific year for you. Uh, we saw you pop up on Jordan Rudis's solo record, which is amazing. Uh, just saw the Dark Phoenix movie where you worked again with Hans Zimmer on that soundtrack. Do you have anything else coming out in addition to this heavy tour schedule with Aristocrats and your other solo work? Do you have anything else uh, you can share that we can hear you coming up on? Um... Uh, let me think. Uh, there might be another movie thing. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it right now. Um, I will be back on the road with Hans Zimmer in September and October. Uh, we're going to Asia for the first time with that kind of band plus orchestra formula. So that'll be fun. Um, other than that, it, it feels like I'm in the middle of something rather than starting a stretch of work. Because a, a few days ago, I was in South America. I just got back from doing a clinic tour there. And before that, I spent three weeks playing in Russia, playing my solo material. Um, so it's just one long stretch of craziness. It's a very good way to put it, my friend. Uh, Guthrie Govin, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you about the aristocrats and the rest of your career. Uh, we'll see you in America next week at the camp and on tour, of course. So I, I believe you got a show in New York City at the Gramercy Theater in August. We're going to try to make it out to cover and uh, hope to see you in person there. And uh, best of luck and best, uh, you know, all all the best on your travels. Nice one. Thanks. And as you say, hope to see you in New York. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally, check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.